0: Sweet deal. Hello. Hey, I like it this morning. We're extra chipper today. I think it's because you guys can like smell what's going on, right? And you're just hungry, so maybe that's why you're, a little, you're like, my stomach's growling. I know I'm alive and awake right now. So good. That's good. That's good. We, we can work with that this morning. Well, welcome to Waypoint. My name is Austin. Um, I get to be a part of the team here. And uh, together... For the last three weeks, we've been going through the book of 1 John and our series called Real Life, of which every time I say now, um, I think of a little cartoon dog named Bluey. I know, and you guys are like, seriously, you're bringing this up again. I, I'm, it's a part of my life. I have a daughter who'll be three in January, and <laughs> we probably watch Bluey a little too much, okay? It's my daughter's favorite show. It's quite possibly my favorite show at this point. Um, but throughout the show, and honestly now throughout our entire home, you'll hear the exclamation, "For real life!" You'll hear that from her. You'll hear it get, it'll get squealed throughout the house. Oh, for real life, out of excitement, confirming something that was said that is either in, that's either in, that's true, that's going to happen. For example, just a couple weeks ago. I told Ophie that we were going to dress up in fun costumes and go and say hi to all of our neighbors and that they would give us candy, right? And she looked at me and like, like the eyes just so big, her mouth, oh, for real life? I was, like, Yes, for real life, Ophelia, Yay! squeal, run around the house, get our dog all riled up, he comes and knocks her over, it's fun, right? And then... Real life <laughs> hit pretty hard that night when the costume had to come off and PJs had to go on. But that's life, right? That's life. Has anyone ever said that to you before? That's life. Right? Anybody? Okay, most of us, I would imagine, probably from your parents. like. That's life. Some of you are laughing because you probably said it this morning. You're going to church. Why? Because that's life. That doesn't really make sense, Mom. Because I said so. Can't argue with that one, right? Can't argue with that one. You can. Some kids do, but it always ends up with because I said so. Anyway, so you've probably heard that before, and it's usually a response to something that we wanted a different outcome for, but it is what it is. That's life. That's life. And most of the time when we say those words, our intent as parents is to communicate the way life works, like that's behind, underneath it all. The way life works, sorry kid, that's life. Think about those words for a second and the weight that they carry, that's life. Those are heavy words, really, truly. One of the most important things we get to do as parents is help shape our children's reality. Or, what's life? And as children, we should be able to look to our parents for guidance and clarity in this life. Now, sadly, I understand that that's not always the case, but even when it, even when it is even when we have parents who are engaged intentional a part of our lives it's not perfect because parents aren't perfect. And so sometimes their look on life is off or not true. And so this is one of the reasons we're doing a series like this because sometimes we need a reality check so to speak. We need to evaluate when we think that's life is that true? is that really life, true life, real life? And so I think 1 John is a great book for us to bring our questions and thoughtfully, prayerfully consider if what we know about life, um, what we think we know about life is real, true. And then to also be able to open ourselves up to what is. So before we dive in, can I pray for us this morning? Okay, let's bow our heads. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. For this time together today, God, truly, so incredibly grateful. It is good, it is good to be your people, to be people uh, with whom you choose to love. God, there's going to be a lot going on this morning today in the room, and so I just pray um, that we're aware of your presence in those things. We're going to, we're going to read <clears throat> a whole chapter of Scripture, as we've been doing. And there are a lot of ways that your word speaks to us. And so, God, I pray for our hearts and our ears and our eyes to be open to what you're trying to say. Um, we love you, Lord. May we feel that this morning, your love for us. I mean, thank you once again. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. <clears throat> so I invite you, if you got your Bibles with you, or the Bible app. Most people, most people just got the Bible app with them. That's great too. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, but if you got your Bibles, uh, we're gonna we're just plugging right along, right? We're in chapter four this week, and so we're just gonna start in first one. <clears throat> Dear friends. Do not believe every spirit, or I should say, in this case, uh, person, but we'll keep going. Test the spirits, persons, to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God in a person. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. If you remember from week one, we referenced that there are two particular heresies circulating in the church at this time that John may have been addressing to this church that he's writing to. Um, docetism is one, and Gnosticism is the other, and they both argue that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, or, or the idea that he, was, he wasn't human, or that he was just a vision or an illusion. He goes on, he says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And we've probably all heard that one before. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. In context, what John is addressing here makes sense. Listen, if someone is saying Jesus wasn't human or that he, wasn't, or that he was only God and, and, or even doesn't believe that you need Jesus at all, they're anti-Christ spirits because they're anti-Jesus who is the Christ. had to be in the flesh in order to overcome the flesh so that we could overcome the flesh but John doesn't say flesh here although that is true Jesus has overcome the flesh so that we might as well through him but here John says them so that we might overcome them because the one who's in you is greater than the one who is in the world and so he's referring to these antichrist spirits that are in the world they are them the ones who are against God and against Jesus, and it is them whom we overcome in Jesus. Because through Jesus, our faith in Jesus, we are called children of God. We talked about that last week. And two weeks ago, we actually talked more about that antichrist idea. So if you, if you want to go back and look at that because you're curious about that, we're like, whoa, antichrist in church, getting a little crazy here. Go back and watch that. I hope it'll make more sense for you in this context, okay? Um, but if you haven't, that's, uh, this, is, this is pretty clear what John's getting at, okay? People who are against Jesus, anti-Jesus, anti-Christ, okay, and against the claims that he made about himself, that he was God in human form, come as the Messiah for the sins of the world. And so because of our faith in Jesus, we are children of God. God has claimed you as his own. We're adopted into his family. In him, in Jesus, we can know the father. We can have a parent whose sense of reality is real and true all the time. A perfect father. He never wavers or falters. He's always there for you and never fails you. When he shapes our reality, our reality is true. And so whatever reality you had or believed before he adopted you, his is greater. His is greater than that in the world. No matter what that, whatever is in your past or in your history, what that teacher said, what that parent said, what that coach said, what that preacher said, boss, friend social media, internet influencer guru. Whatever they said about you or to you, what he says about you and to you is real and it is true. And we can now know this because we can now know God. And we can allow him to then shape our reality by allowing him to say to us, that's life, kid. Kid. And show us real life. So what exactly does now knowing God reveal about real life? And not to be a, we're going to dive into it here, but, and I really don't mean to be a broken record. You guys can like blame John, Jesus, the beloved disciple. Okay. Blame that guy. Um, but, but uh, yeah, we're going to, what does God reveal to us about real life here? Love. You're like, awesome. Seriously, again, love? Yes. Here we go again. Real life. Our reality with God in the picture is love. And John really dives into this idea here in this next section. So quite honestly, this is, this is such a, <clears throat> there's a lot to this. And I would just encourage you, um, if you're following along in the scriptures, uh, lean in. Like, don't. this isn't the time to zone out, that's what I'm trying to say. Easy to do when I'm up here, I get that, but this isn't the time to zone out. Lean into this word for you. Because what he says here is very, very profound, and it has immense implications for us as we root our lives in reality and God's word to us. And so I'm actually just going to read through the rest of John 4, First John 4, and then elaborate on a few things. So here we go, verse 7. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love, lives in God. Whoever abides, another translation says, whoever abides in love abides in God, and God in them, and God abides in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we might have confidence on the day of judgment, which John has already talked about before. In this world, we are like Jesus, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Then he wraps us up. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Once again, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Is love a big deal? Yeah. Love is kind of a big deal here. Right? I believe this passage... You know, it's funny because I... I thought, man, you know, it really makes sense to do communion on the last day of the series, right? As we're wrapping it up, like tie it up with a nice bow. Let's do that, right? And then I read through this chapter again one more time, months ago. And I was like, no, this is it. This is when we have to come here. This is when we have to come to the bread and the cup because I believe this passage is at the core of everything John wants to say. Everything before this has led up to this, and everything that follows this solidifies it and wraps it up with a bow. Love is at the core of real life. The reality shared with us from God our Father is this. Real life comes directly out of and must directly express The belief that in Jesus Christ, the one true God has revealed himself to be love. Love incarnate, love in the flesh, love among us. And for those who live in this reality, real life for them is a life of love. Love incarnate. Real life for us is love in the flesh, walked out day by day. Love is the marker for those who call themselves Christians, And it is not a sign only of who they are, but it is a sign of who their God is. God is love. If we are his children and we represent him in this world, then we ought to be markers of that love. Not just who we are, but it's also who God is. Love is the very essence of our reality from our Father in heaven. Not only to be loved which is absolutely a wonderful experience. But also the extension of that love, to share that love. Which sadly, sometimes it's that part of this reality that God shares with us that keeps people from truly knowing God. That's what John gets at here. right? It's amazing when God loves us and shares his love with us. But it's rather challenging when God says, yeah, because of that, we also ought to love one another. Even more so when John says, no one has ever, like he takes it a step further and he says, listen, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. People don't really know who God is until they see it and revealed in the life of us. People don't really know who God is until they see it revealed in the life of us. God, even if they, dot, 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 yes, even if they God, if only you knew. I know. And yes, still. But God, this is what they do. This is what they've done. I know. And I'm sorry, kiddo. But that's life. What God launched decisively in Jesus he wants to complete in and through us as Jesus unveiled God before a surprised and unready world so must we love is that important friends that's why I don't think it's enough to spend like five straight weeks talking about love it is at the core of who we are because it is the core of who God is This can be a very amazing word. We can read through John 7 through 21 and be like, whoa, love, that is love. This is incredible. This is amazing. But at the same time, we can be very challenged. It can arouse a sense of awe and gratitude within us, as well as a sense of dread almost, as we fear that we might not be able to live up to the standard that the word is asking of us. Friends, in verse 17 and 18, John doesn't talk about the fear that we should have of being found out or failing to live up to this standard. He doesn't say anything along those lines. But he says, But of the boldness and confidence that we shall have on the day of judgment. He says, In this world, we are like Jesus. What does he mean? He means that if God revealed himself in the world by turning his love into flesh and bone, then we must do the same. We should realize that we are completing God's love. God's love, that's what will be operating through us, moving us. Motivating us, encouraging us through his spirit. That is what will be operating through us. And it's a process. It's a process of love that we must be open to. That's part of what John's getting at. That's a process, letting God love people through us If we cannot even open ourselves up to this, John says that we may not have truly known God and his love in the first place. It's a process that God is completing through you and in you to the world around us. That is why love is so important. When we don't When we hide the love that God has shared with us, we hide God to the world. Band, you guys can make your way on up. Once you learn to give yourself to others as God gave himself to us, there is nothing to be afraid of anymore. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. What you end up is just a completed circle of love. God to you, you to others, others back to God. Comes full circle. As we come to the bread and the cup today, we remember, we remember that God's love is revealed precisely in sending his son into the world to be a sacrifice. A sacrifice that would atone, that would pay for our sins. And so, as we remember, his body, broken for us. And we'll remember his blood shed for us. So as we come to these symbols of a meal that God put on display for us thousands of years ago, we remember his love. When God wanted to explain in depth what the meaning of his sacrifice would be, in love, he celebrated a meal together. He gave thanks. He broke the blood or broke the bread. He gave thanks. He blessed the cup and had a meal. It would be soon after that the disciples would discover what He meant when He broke bread and blessed the cup. And I imagine, as we come to this moment today, It's an opportunity actually, it's an opportunity for us to consider putting ourselves before the cross, gazing at the extent of which God's love has gone for us, how deep, how wide, I would argue it's impossible not to sense a power and the possibilities that this love has to display and offer us. That my friends, is the reality that has changed the world, Jesus' body and his blood. It's also the reality that could still change the world if followers of Jesus would choose to make it their reality too. Real life is love. So rejoice, kid. That's life. Amen. Amen.